to get into the rift. And that's you got to stop them. So you put uh-huh. on and then they, they fall into the traps and die. And it's very fun. OK. And what are you if you're if you're killing orcs? You're like a battle mage. You got to protect the realm. It, it's very silly. Are you, are you a human? Mm hmm. OK, that's boring, but OK. I guess you can unlock an elf or something. An elf or something. I think it's an elf. <laughs> Yay. How you been? I've been good. We're moved into the new place. And as you saw from the photographs, uh, I have uh, lots of uh, novelty items set up around me in my physical space, which uh, bring me joy. Yeah. Um, I expected more. Like it's very compact. You ha- you got the right shelving for all your stuff. I well, I worked very hard, and actually, there is some stuff that didn't make it into uh into the shelving units, and uh some stuff in on some bookcases downstairs. But the majority of my things are here, and I actually got some. I got some new Utena merchandise today in the mail. Uh, it was it's some 25th anniversary merch, and it's uh you know about acrylic standees, Chad? No. Okay, so sometimes when a company doesn't want to spend a lot of money making a nice looking figure, what they will do instead is you know like. You've seen like acrylic keychains before, huh? Like, oh, sure. Okay. So, an acrylic standee is essentially like what if you took artwork and printed it the way you do on like an acrylic keychain and you had it like it's it, they're normally like they're either doing a pose or they're standing up. And it's basically like it's like having a a 2D drawing, but... But it's pretend 3D. But it's like sitting on your bookshelf. So it's almost like you have a figure. If you yeah. just believe hard enough. And so uh, some of the merchant, Most of the merch that I got from the 25th anniversary, uh, it was with a company called uh, Coco Labo... Uh, and I, I had to actually uh, use a service that I had to order this in Japanese with uh, a, a fake Japanese address. And the fake address is for a company that I pay a, a fee to and they forward that mail to my house in the United States. And I I got, uh, it's actually very cute. It's uh, an acrylic standee of Utena and Anthe standing like back to back. And then I got a little set of like chibi acrylic standees of uh, Utena and Anthe and like the student council and uh, the pink hair guy from the Black Rose arc. You, you go out of your way for Utena merch like harder than I do anything I mean, I it's kind in of, my life. It's like my job now, kind of. Like one show you do and you're friends with all the Utena people. I mean that that podcast, like I get like sixty bucks a month for being an Utena podcast. So uh, you know, that's not a lot, but it's also nothing to shake a stick at. 
That is not enough money for me to do what you did to get that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I like, I mean, yeah, I definitely paid more than 60 bucks to get all that stuff. But I mean, it's not just like getting merchandise is not technically part of the podcasting biz. It's just like this has become my life. So like the, the merchandise is just part of part of the whole deal. There are worse things to define yourself by. Um, Owl House is not one of them. Owl House is great. We're here to talk <laughs> about the Owl House. going it's about to be over that's a i found that on youtube that's an 8-bit cover of uh music from enchanting grom fight from season one i didn't recognize it i figured you would do like the uh you know the theme song i tried to find a good like cover of the theme song and none of the chiptune versions i found on youtube I thought sounded good enough. Some of the, it just you you just trust me on this. They like most of them did not sound up to up to snuff for me. So I picked this because I actually thought it sounded good. I think you also care more about the quality of the show than I do. <laughs> Maybe so. So yeah, this is Warrior Chats, I guess, because everything that you and I do for this podcast is under the header of warrior chats. Yeah. It's like our little uh, workaround. Yeah. Um, we get to keep having dumb conversations once every three months and releasing them. And we have a name for it, but I don't have a new RSS feed. It's great. It's like, I don't have to pay for anything. Hi, Cameron. <laughs> Recording them once every three months, releasing them once every six months. Yeah. About that. Um, <laughs> that's accurate. That's accurate. I got, I, I was gonna, do work over the weekend because uh-huh. you know it was Fourth of July, and then that didn't that didn't happen. I will probably get this one done on on time and like ahead of because I figure this one will be fun. I hope we're eight minutes in. Are we having fun? I you don't know. Keep, you keep describing the episodes that we do about Warrior Cats, which is the original Warrior Chats, as not fun, and I'm very upset by this. I listen to Opinions Are Cheap sometimes, and I hear you talk about our show. Our show with the show is going to ruin so many of my friendships if I don't learn to shut my fucking mouth. <laughs> uh, I, I don't care. Uh, really and truly. Uh, I, I treasure our friendship. I treasure that I got you to watch a cartoon on the Disney Channel and it is called The Owl House. Okay, just for the record, I get to participate more in these conversations than the other ones. So they are objectively more fun for me. I so know. I can have opinions. I know. And that is the point of the whole show, is that you do have opinions. And they are of a, a lower monetary value. Yes. Supposedly. Exactly. I disagree, but... <laughs> yeah, you, you sold the Owl House to me, you and like three people in my writing group, because between the two of you, you guys get me to like watch stuff. <laughs> uh, this one was pretty easy because it's like, oh, the Gravity Falls guy is in this too. And I was like, oh, well, I love him. 
I would hug him. I don't do hugs. I would shake his hand. I don't shake hands. I would, um, I'd give him a wave or some finger guns. <laughs> and then it'd be really awkward. And he'd be like, man, this fucking weirdo. And uh, oh, so you, that, there's no way you would be the weirdest person that he's ever met. Chad. Challenge accepted. I mean, come on. Like, realistically, can you even imagine the people that this man has met? I have met Gravity Falls fans at conventions. And let me tell you. You know, it'd be really funny is to go up to Alex Hirsch and be like, man, I fucking love that episode you did with the Szechuan sauce. I was like, man, we got to go to fucking McDonald's right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's friends with uh, Justin Roiland of, of Rick and Morty fame. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, I mean, like, there's like a there's a couple of references to Gravity Falls in Rick and Morty. I think I think both people would enjoy that joke. <laughs> I remember uh, for a period of time, uh, we are totally losing the plot here. Uh, for a I period know. of time, there was like a niche sub fandom on Tumblr.com that shipped uh, Stan Pines from Gravity Falls and Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. And then after the Stan twin reveal, it became shipping Stan Ford Pines uh, with with Rick Sanchez uh, and then occasionally also Stan Lee Pines with Rick Sanchez. These are I, the I had things to go Google you, this. These are the things that you learn and uh, bring joy to your life being friends with me, Chad. Yeah, between you and Cameron, you you got me uh, covered on weird shit. <laughs> Different degrees of weird, but uh, nonetheless weird. I did not know there was a bunch of fan art of Gravity Falls and Rick and Morty, and I am having so much fun being distracted and not talking. <laughs> oh, come on. Like, it feels like such a natural fit, but also both of them were just really popular at the same time, so it was sort of inevitable. But yeah, this like... One this one's cute because Ida's in it too. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there is uh there there are a couple of lines in an episode of Gravity Falls which could imply that Stan dated Ida at one time. So you know, like it's all connected, and I mean that makes sense. Uh, creator of the Owl House, Dana Terrace, has been in a relationship with Alex Hirsch for many years now. So. Uh, it, that that would track. That's why I mean that's one of the reasons he's so involved in this show. Aside from mm -hmm. the fact that she also worked on Gravity Falls. Oh, here's one. It's like a little uh, postcard you'd get, or not a postcard, like a Polaroid. And uh, Rick doesn't. No, I guess he is wearing a shirt. Damn it! I thought he was shirtless. But <laughs> he he's feeding Stan Pines what looks like could be either chocolate or a cigarette, and it says <laughs> I can't do better than you. <laughs> Oh, uh, the picture. Wow, there's a lot of pictures. Holy shit, Google. I, I told you this was a thing. Anyway, we're here to talk about the Owl House, ostensibly. We could do that. Yeah. I like the Owl House. Owl House is great. Yeah. How did how has your journey been uh getting into the Owl House? I would say extremely positive. I mean, this show kind of had me going for, like by the first episode. I well knew. since I've seen the pilot. I, I knew that you would absolutely be into this, like, the moment that I started watching it. It, it hits all the buttons. Um, it's 
well animated. It's well written. The characters are all great. It's extremely funny. Uh, it's doing the wizard school thing, but it's not written by a shitbag. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually, like how many things that this does the same as Harry Potter, but better. Like, yeah, I mean, I I figure it's very cognizant of the fact that if you're doing a witch school, like you're going to get the Hogwarts comparisons. So like you might as well, I don't know, lean in to it is not exactly the phrase, but you know what I mean? Like they they're clearly aware that that's going to be a factor there. Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking like oh, even the house system, right? Like mm-hmm. the Hogwarts house system is basically good guys, fascists, uh, smarty pants, and stoners. But it doesn't really <laughs> mean anything. Yeah, There's just like ways to separate things. Whereas this, oh, this is like the magic track you pick. Like this is your spec from here until at least the end of the class, but possibly forever once you get the rune on your hand and you can't mm-hmm. do other magic. Like mm-hmm. it's extremely important. Or like they, they play grudge ball and it's basically roller derby but with brooms. Well, well, they have they have roller derby, but with brooms, and that's uh, fly derby. I don't actually remember what it's called. I watched, I literally watched the episode earlier today, and I don't remember what it's called. But it's a better sport than Quidditch, which is stupid. Yes, that's absolutely correct. It's flyer derby, is what it's called in Owl House. I have uh, I have forgotten the other comparisons, but that's okay. They're not that important, but those the, the, honestly, the house system was important. Oh, the fact that like Amity kind of starts off as the Malfoy character because her parents are rich and she's a bit of a bitch, uh-huh. but then she becomes the love interest and that's super subverted and she's actually not a bitch at all. She's just got crappy parents, but even then her dad's not so bad once you get to know him and it's like, <laughs> oh, there's a lot of depth here. These characters actually are written in a way that like is like human beings. Yeah, I thought that the transition from bully character to like love interest character like initially seemed a little rocky like don't get me it's wrong anime i i love amity like she is one of my favorite characters and like i i enjoy her relationship with Luz, but like i felt like i don't know i felt like in trying to take her from bully character to friend character like some of it was not as smooth as i would have like even just like season one you know but uh but i like i i love i love any time an antagonist character becomes like a friend character so yeah uh, vegeta yeah it's exactly that's what i always call it is the vegeta of any character like friend group is when the the villain becomes a friend to varying degrees i mean like i would not say that Vegeta was as much of a friend as Amity becomes to uh, the the main group. But yeah, like, I really like the character writing in the show. I feel like everyone, even though like, sometimes I wish that we would get, I, I mean, I guess a little more, but also like that has to do with like not getting enough episodes from uh, from Disney Channel, but uh, I really like all of the characters in the show, and I like every time that uh, we get like side character highlights, it's really delightful. And uh, I don't know, I yeah, I like. Um, I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I think uh, 
everybody's so well-rounded, right? Like, yeah. you can, like, really see their, like, progression. Like, Willow's progression from season one to the end of season two, where she's very much, I don't, I don't want to say passive, but, you know, she, like, she goes from being uh, a bit second-rate to being, like, one of the most powerful magic users in the school. And it's because she's, like, really puts effort into it. It's like, I want to be seen as this kind of person, so I'm going to become that kind of person. Well, it's like, I would... Less effort, I would say, and it's more about like her confidence because originally she's like trying to go for a track that she's not really as like that she doesn't have as much of an aptitude in, and it's when she like switches to plants, which she's actually like really good at, and like she starts to really come into her own like confidence wise is when she really like starts to come into her full potential as a witch like it's not that she's not capable in the beginning she just isn't like putting her focus into somewhere that she can actually thrive i forgot that she switched uh houses yeah they i i didn't rewatch anything for the show i was like i will go with my base knowledge which is it's been a bit yeah i will because i watched it I watched season two, uh, almost all of season two uh, before doing this, uh, like in a rewatch. And in one of the episodes I watched today, she mentioned like she mentions that she switched over to plants. And I remember that from season one. So because part of the season one plot was Lou's convincing the school that like not everybody has to strictly follow like a single path or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah, the, and the school's got, like, the uh, the, the magic uh, hallways and stuff, right, where they can, like, hide out, and there's windows into the classroom, so you can, like, sneak in and take classes you're not supposed to be part of. And yeah. It's, like, it's got that whimsy that um, Hogwarts always had, and I would love to see, I would love to see more of it, and I know that's kind of, like, I think everybody's running theme for this show is I really wish we could see more of it. I appreciate that, yeah. like... It's good enough that we want to see more of it because that's not always the case. Yeah. But the the world feels so big and interesting and it's almost a little gross at times, right? Like the Boiling Isles is not a pretty place. Oh, yeah. Like I dead love, monsters and stuff. I love how gross it is sometimes. Like I love that the bell for the school is like a screaming sound. I love that like they are essentially in like a giant god's carcass at all times like everything about it is so like it's so gross in a way that you don't expect for a disney cartoon and that i think is so cool and interesting it i, I would the world building is very like ghibli-esque in a way yeah and i would definitely like i don't i i would have to check interviews or whatever but if i had to guess like i feel like ghibli would be a cited influence by dana terrace on the the world building of the owl house yeah i and it's one of those things there's definitely some like anime influences in this show especially whenever it gets like really crazy with the with the spell casting and you're like oh we're having a dragon ball z fight now this is cool oh my god some of the fight scenes in the show are so good i rewatched agony of a witch before this and like oh my god like the fight scene with ida and lilith is so fucking good <laughs> and then i cried so much I, i've said this i think on other shows or probably this one that like 
we're getting to that point where people our age or a bit older, which are really influenced by anime, are like really making cartoons mm-hmm. and wearing their influences on their sleeves. Like you can go back and watch I The Matrix it. and be like, there's anime influences in The Matrix, but you had to like know, right? You had to be in the know. Whereas like with Owl House, you could not really watch anime. You could be like, that's a fucking anime fight right there. <laughs> and we're getting, because we got that a bit in My Little Pony. We've gotten that in... At one point, I had a list of cards. Oh, uh, Steven Universe, for sure. I was sure. going to say, Steven Universe wears its anime influences all over. And I, I really like that, though. Like, it's fun to see, like, the crazier, weirder, bombastic elements of anime, like, creeping into more Western shows and being okay. balanced properly. Okay, KO, I know, is one that you haven't watched, but was uh, created by a partner of... Uh, Steven Universe creator Re- Rebecca Sugar, her partner uh, Ian Jones Cordy made uh, OKKO, and it is excellent. It's much more uh, like plot of the week than like overarching plot, but not in a bad way. But yeah, that's extremely anime influence, also. Yeah, like I love that you're seeing this in current cartoons like Craig of the Creek also is another that I would say is very heavily influenced by not only anime but also like Japanese video games uh and I I love that there's going to be a generation of kids that are raised on references like this that are gonna like eventually I assume like go on to find out like what was being referenced at the time yeah kind of the way that like when i was a kid i remember watching like the fairly odd parents and there would be like a reference to like the godfather that like i would not get until i was you know a teenager and was aware of the godfather as a thing that existed yeah fairly odd parents is good for like movie references and stuff and it's it's so fun to like go back and rewatch like cartoons you enjoyed as a kid and just pick up on stuff that you're like, whoa, I didn't know that was in there kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it really goes to show that, like, the people making these things are having a good time, and they care a lot. Oh, yeah. And I know, like, Dana, if you, I don't really follow her on Twitter, but I've, I've seen enough of her tweets to know that, like, she is crazy invested in this show. Like, this is absolutely a passion project for her, just like Gravity Falls was with Alex. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she doesn't tweet that much in general, but yeah, uh... This absolutely is like a a passion project and like it's really disappointing how Disney has kind of treated the Owl House. Uh, I don't know if you want to wait to get into that. Yeah, maybe it's it's one of those things where I only know enough about it to have an opinion that's not based on probably enough information. Um. I would like for it to have a full season three, especially given how season two ended. Like, I want them to have some shenanigans in the human realm. I want Amity and Luce to go on a proper date because they've earned it. That's not going to happen. They don't have time for that shit. They're going to have to. They got to go save the world. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and the thing is, is that there isn't that much to know on the official level. Like, all, like, all that officially is known is, like, Season two, like, or season three got cut from a full episode order to like three 45 minute specials, essentially. And so, like, that cut 
is what led to like changes to the way that like the trajectory of season two was going because they had to shuffle things around so that they could better prepare for the way that season three was going to have to go. And the stated reason for all of this is that like there was an executive higher up in Disney who just did not feel like the owl house fit like what they were trying to go for with uh their with the Disney Channel they are kind of pivoting to a slightly younger audience and the owl house especially season 2 uh and then season 3 come on like coming on uh are not things that a lot of episodes you can't really play those like in syndicate because they are just individual pieces of a, like a larger story and are not like singular arcs that you could just throw on in the middle of an afternoon so one of the stated reasons that the owl house was given the axe is that like it was just not Fitting the like lighter brand that they were trying to cultivate, but also this comes at a time when uh the like CEO at Disney or whatever. I don't fucking I try not to keep too abreast of these matters, but then it comes down to a time when I have to actually speak on it. Uh, but there there's like the the higher up guy at Disney also like donated to the like don't say gay bill and so the out queerness of the owl house has been kind of brought into question as to whether or not this may have factored into the decision of the owl house doesn't fit with the brand we are trying to cultivate if you know what i mean so like there's a lot that's unsaid uh about why it is being canceled uh and it's unfortunate because it's one of the the you know the disney is having kind of a a renaissance with its cartoons these past few years and like amphibia has contributed to that uh gravity falls before it and like I don't know. The Disney just seems uh hesitant to actually invest in like the merchandising and promoting of its original animated content and it's really unfortunate. Yeah, I I I'm I'm apt to believe at least some of the the PR reasoning because I kind of get it at least to a point. The problem is is like with Disney Plus now you don't you could just go watch whatever episode you want to watch, That's right? The like the thing just- is like I feel like if the Owl House had like I I think like the Owl House got the axe like shortly before Disney Plus like blew up as like a viable platform. And I feel like if they had just like not make if they had just waited to make a decision but also i i guess part of what i didn't mention was an impact on the decision making process was like covid and like so many things like 
not going the predicted trajectory profit wise because of, you know, the entire pandemic and its effect on the economy. And so, like, I think they were also just looking for places to make cuts where they could. And, like, it was not a difficult decision for them to decide that the Owl House was not, like, what they wanted, even though if they had just, like, pivoted it to being a Disney Plus show, it probably would have done very well. Uh, It's frustrating. I don't know. It is. I my my saving grace here is that the writing staff on this show are very very good and I feel like mm-hmm. if anybody can salvage a good ending out of this it's them absolutely they've really really proven themselves like every plot twist every turn every big character moment everything it, they've they've all been just so like effortlessly handled at least from a viewer perspective right where the show fits together so well and I, there's probably going to be some plot points that just get cut. Uh, for the sake of time, and that sucks, but I think that's okay to a degree. Like, there's a lot going on, and there there's something to be said for like not every mystery needs a solution. Absolutely, we've seen enough shows where like, hey, we're going to explain the thing now, and it's like, or you could not do that because there's no way you're going to do a good job of it. Yeah. Um, hell, that comic Rain that came out, the that Joe Hill comic, right? Like, God, that kind of went down the shitter. Uh. Because he was like, hey, guess what? We're going to explain what's causing the supernatural thing. And it's like, no, don't do that. It will never be a good answer. And it wasn't. It was stupid. Unforge. Yeah, I think uh, I know that there are things about the plot as it is like coming together right now that did not exist before the show got axed prematurely. So uh, I'm interested to see how all this plays out. I. Something that I I guess I don't have an official source on this, but it is my understanding that the character of the collector uh, did not exist prior to the show getting a a season order for season three. So uh, I'm interested to see how how all this comes together, how it all plays out. Uh, I I quite like the the collector as a character that we have only seen in the last couple of episodes of the season. Uh, I don't know. How do you, That's funny. How do you feel? Well, so like to me, like the, the collector, like from a plot structure perspective, you have like the bad guy, but then you have like the actual bad guy, right? Sort of like there's Vader and then there's the emperor. And so like oh, the sure. collector is sort of that, right? So to me, that was like a logical step to have this like other threat show up that's even worse and and i imagine that like if this had not gone that way there still would have been like you know bellows is the big bad but then there would have been the bigger bad and you know i i imagine that would have played out in some way uh it's just this specific way was like part of the uh the way they're trying to wrap all this up is my understanding. Yeah. And it, you know, like that, the, cause the collector is like, Hey, what if like this God character, who's a kid and very immature. And that's always like a really spicy combination because you don't want to just like, well, you got to kill that little fucker. Right. Cause like, well, mm-hmm. technically you probably shouldn't, you shouldn't murder children, I guess. <laughs> but at the same time, this one uh, definitely has the God powers going pretty hard. 
which reminded me of Haruhi. And I'm like, hey, I wonder if this is like a weird nod there. Could be for anime. Uh, Haruhi Suzumiya? Yeah. I've not actually watched that, but I'm like aware of it. She can't move the sun, but she's definitely like deity in human form <laughs> kind of character. I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the, uh, the endless eight. Uh, to me, the jarring thing with the, with the episode cut is sort of the last episode of season two are around there where it's like, Hey, here's all our freedom fighters. And you're like, where the fuck did these people come from? And it's like, <laughs> it would have been really nice to get like an episode or two to like build the team. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine that that's, that probably would have been something that they would have liked to have done. But, yeah. You know. But it's also something like if you really got to cut something for time, that's fine because this is a big world that people are like operating and it's like, oh, hey, this was happening in the background. Like I can at least justify that. Like I can buy that as a thing that's going on. Yeah. It would have been nice to get a little bit more, but it is what it is. I'm 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 fine with with that. Yeah. There's been a couple of things where like, I feel like this was maybe introduced a little earlier than they wanted to or or a little clumsily because they had to, but it, it's, I don't know if I would have known to look for that had I not known about the, the cancellation and the, you know, season three shortening, right? Like when you know how the sausage is made even a little bit, like you start looking for it and it can kind of poison, I don't want to say poison, but it can alter your view of it, right? Like going into the Avengers movies and be like, oh, I know that uh, the guy that plays Captain America doesn't sign up for more movies. He's probably going to die at the end of this one, right? Or Robert Downey Jr. He's, his contract is over. Like, you know that going in and that alters your expectation and you start looking for stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, like, oftentimes when there's a, like, when there's something from the outside that impacts a piece of media, like, a lot of times you can tell even like on a like an unconscious level like something can feel off and then when you find out like oh like the episode order got cut for the next season or oh this person didn't renew their contract like that's how it comes to make sense so like yeah like it can like poison you to be looking for that but the at the same time like even if you're not looking for that there's an equally likely chance that you can pick up on that and then like go looking for that explanation later i guess that yeah usually what happens with me is usually i like am watching something and i'm like something feels off here so i start to to dig I guess that makes sense. I I I don't. I I picked Marvel examples because like every crazy thing that happens in those is like pretty public. <laughs> but I also feel like they write around that stuff fairly well. Like they know ahead of times whose contracts are going to expire or not, so they sure. they roll with it. Um, so well, I suppose a better machine. example would be like when Carrie Fisher passed and Star Wars is like shit. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. Definitely. You hold the dagger up to the mountain ridge and you go, oh my God, it's a map. (laughs) One of the things that's like interesting about uh, the Owl House to go back to that show proper is like the magic system itself, like the main forms of magic, because obviously there's we've seen a lot of characters do a lot of things, but like the the main elements, if you will, you got like illusion, um, plants, slime, 
uh, you know, like the the poison creature things, which is uh, the abomination is what they there call it. There you go. Like, yep, abomination. That, such a, I can't remember what the fourth thing is. Uh, there's beast keeping. Okay. They're very like atypical magic elements, right? Like illusionist, maybe notwithstanding, and the plant stuff. Like uh, I've seen that in Final Fantasy, but the other stuff's uh, a little different. Okay, I have a an official list. There's. Uh, the Emperor's Coven, Abomination Coven, Bard Coven, Beastkeeping Coven, Construction Coven, Healing Coven, Illusion Coven, Oracle Coven, Plant Coven, Potions Coven, and then there's a section for other covens. <laughs> but th- those I, did, are the, I didn't realize there was that many. Those are the main. Well, those are the covens, yeah. I guess I should have paid more attention when I watched it three well, months ago. Well, I mean, they also don't, like, highlight all of the covens all of the time. Like, some of them, you only really see mention of them, like, once or twice. Yeah, I mean, we only really see, like, one bard in the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, they're like, the bard coven only comes into play, like, later, and then uh, the construction coven, I think you only like get reference to the construction coven like at one at like one episode in season one and i don't know that we ever that one really- at least has utility yeah the abomination coven is weird because like i get the utility of it and we see it but it seems like the least fun coven to go in like i want to make slime monsters that do stuff and it's like i guess if i were 12 i'd probably be okay with that and they're, they're <laughs> pretty young when they make these decisions so yeah. They can do some pretty cool stuff with abomination stuff. I'm thinking of like World of Warcraft now and just like how come there's no necromancer coven? It's like, oh, because that would be you don't want to teach children how to raise the dead. Yeah, That'd probably be not. Stupid. Probably not a good idea. I can see I can see Luz being like, yeah, but I want to learn all the stuff. Yeah, um, but Luz should probably not have the ability to raise the dead. I don't know. I think she'd throw some pretty bomb tea parties. <laughs> I'm glad you like the Owl House. I like any time that I uh, recommend you something, I'm always like, what if I have made an error in judgment? And what if this actually does not click with this person that I've recommended something to? Uh, but I did. I did know. Uh, like, I, I was pretty sure that the Owl House would be just right up your alley. Yeah, it, it 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 hits all the brain tiggly things as far as like uh storytelling goes. I love the setting, I love the style. The magic system, pretty cool. It was fucking funny and a little frustrating about the magic system, at least one that loose comes up with, right? You know, the pictograms and the and the glyphs. The glyphs. Is back in twenty fifteen when I was writing a book. <laughs> I was I like, you know what'd be really clever. And then it's like, oh shit. Everyone's gonna think I stole this from the owl house now. Well, you know what? There's also another series that I've been reading recently, which actually, if you're if you're interested in reading a manga, I have the manga for you. Ooh, um, I don't know if I am. It's called uh, it's called Witch Hat. Uh, sorry, I almost said Witch Hat. Witch Hat Atelier, and uh, it is similar to the Owl House. Kind of in that it has witches and they use glyphs for magic, but it's 
honestly, it's really good. And I actually think that you would really like it. Uh, and the, the creator of, uh, Witch Hat Atelier is a fan of the Owl House and vice versa. Oh, that's nice. So I think that's really cute. Yeah. She tweeted once about like watching episodes of the Owl House and the creator of the Owl House, uh, reasonably freaked out because Witch Hat Atelier is like kind of a, like a hit indie darling in the, the manga and soon to be anime world because it is getting an anime adaptation, but it has not uh even released any sort of trailer yet but uh the 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 manga is very good and i actually i do think that you would like it the art is spectacular so uh maybe i can convince you after i bet you could bully me into that at some point i'm sure i could send you a link to the first issue and you would uh be enchanted one of the things i want to touch on too before we end up calling this i don't know how long we'll go but I like the adult characters in the Owl House. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which cannot say the same about Harry Potter. Because <laughs> they're all dumb as fuck and annoying. Yeah. Well, like 90% of them. But like, I love Ida. I love Lilith. I love the other ones. <laughs> Great list there. Fucking did it. Nailed it. But Name like, a single other adult character. Rain. There you go. Okay. Not, I'm not totally stupid. I was trying to think of the principal's name. Um, oh, I don't remember his name either. Because I wanted to say Skinner, and I'm like, no, I think that's the Simpsons. Yeah, that is the Simpsons. But he looks like a Skinner. Like, he would skin people. Like, he's kind of got that vibe. Uh, Principal Bump is his oh, name. that's fine, too. <laughs> yeah, I like that his uh, talisman, it, like, is on his head and helps him to see. I think that's very cute. They're They're all, like... They fit in the world really well, but they also have like adult problems and they view all of the things going on from like a totally different perspective than yeah. the kids do. And so it's like, I don't always like the young adult stuff, right? I, I, I haven't ever like been super into that, but obviously as I've gotten older, like I want less things with like children protagonists. I, I just, I'm not a kid, so I don't relate to it as much anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so I like that there's a really good balance here where you know, Ida and Luce, they complement each other so well, but I, I really like all the kids in this. So like, this is that rare example where it's like, yeah, but everybody's actually great. But if I had to default, it's like I could because the, the kids, the, like the whole cast is just, it fits together so well. I know like Ida trying to protect Luce uh, at the end of season two when, when shit's hitting the fan and they're, they're going to be committing some crimes and trying to, you know, stop the, stop the uh, emperor guy. And it's like, I totally get her perspective. Like, I would be doing the same thing because she could go to jail or die or more than likely just will die because the emperor is pretty sick of her shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, I, I want to protect the kids. But they're like, no, we have to help, too. But the good thing is, is, yeah, they fuck up and get involved, but they're also like actually able to hold their own. And yeah. so it works out like, I don't know, a, a lot of this stuff, like I'm saying it, it's like, of course it's like that way. That's how you tell a good story, right? It's like, yeah, but then like, have you read Harry Potter? No, yeah, like it's sort of like when you encounter a story that does these things so well, it brings into focus ways that other stories have failed in yeah. this regard. And especially because you did like, you did a reread of some Harry Potter stuff like fairly recently like within the past few years yeah like three i think three or four yeah 
Some parts of those books are very frustrating when you're in your 30s. <laughs> I believe it. I like that. There's like politics in this too, though. Like the show really has like a lot going on. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's high school drama and there's adult drama, but then there's like a lot of politics in the world because you get the golden guard and how he's viewed by people who are like below and above him. All of that shit, like it just makes sense and is written really smartly. And I'm like, I believe this. I believe every word they're saying, even the ones that are made up. <laughs> and it shouldn't be like that shocking, but I don't know. Like there's so many shows that, and, and stories where things are just like fine, right? Or like mediocre. And it's all these little things that you just take for granted that this show does really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a coherence in the world that it like everything exists in that like really just it makes it really easy to just kind of like fall in and like I don't know, be invested in everything that's going on is because like I I don't want to say everything makes sense, but like I don't know, like there there's a cohesion there. Yeah. I I like that it's willing to tackle some of those elements, like the politics, uh, mm-hmm. the relationship stuff, in a, a fairly mature way. Because I, I rewatched a couple episodes of My Little Pony the other day, because I might do a fanfic, <laughs> and it just, that was enjoyable, but also reminded me of, like, the failings of certain episodes where characters are not always written consistently, or like, hey, they're doing a thing, but then they don't go all the way with it. Where it's like, I feel like they're trying to make up. My Little Pony's never really allowed to be as mature as episodes of the owl house are and i get that but like when you have an episode where they're gonna like oh here's an invasive species of sorts we're going to just magically alter their eating habits that'll be fine yeah we're gonna bully our friend into doing that because we can't do it without our help you're like there's some shit going on here like we're talking about agriculture and ecological side effects like there's a lot of like politics inherent in that episode because it's dealing with those themes Mm -hmm. and i it it kind of gets there. You know, they write their letter to Celestia about how maybe maybe you shouldn't fuck with the animals and bully your friends. But like, it's like, damn, you were going kind of hardcore for a bit, though, until yeah. like one of them turned into a vampire and then shit at the fan. But <laughs> I think part of that, though, is that I, you know, going back, like I, I'm 30. There's certain things I want out of stories now that certain cartoons just are not going to deliver because they're not going to be allowed to do that. Yeah. And that's fair. And so then the Owl House comes along where it's like, no, we're actually going to like have some commentary on stuff. We're going to like go that extra mile and add stuff like, hey, Star Wars had politics. Why can't other goddamn kids shows have politics? Yeah, I God, like I could I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to get started on it because if I do, I'll just like talk literally forever and we are almost an hour. But like it, I find it very frustrating. The dichotomy of like what is and is not okay for children and the way that that changes over like the course of decades and like what we can and cannot trust children to understand as a a child that understood uh more than i was given credit for uh it's something that has been a focus of my frustration for a long time. We've definitely come a long way from like the cartoons specifically made to sell toys, at least. Oh, sure. 
I don't know. It's one of those things, though, like when I was a kid watching cartoons, we didn't have a lot of like the episodic stuff that we're watching now or like not the episodic, the uh, the overarching, you know, we're telling a long form story as a cartoon. Like I had to get that from anime, right? Yeah. And I have to wonder what things would be like, you know, and how I would view cartoons, how I'd view storytelling. If I had if I had the Owl House when I was, you know, 12 or 13. Because I, I like to think I would have really liked it because it's doing just so many good things, but also it's like a fun, cute adventure too. It's you know, it's it's still like that at heart. Versus, I mean, I love like Codame's Kid Next, Codame Kids Next Door, and Ed Ed Eddie and all that stuff. But they were very much like a product of their time, where the episode starts and ten minutes later it's over. Yeah. Though the Codename Kids Next Door definitely like touched on like growing up, and uh, there was elements of like. I think poverty and, you know, there's stuff in there. And hey, Arnold had like some fairly mature themes, too. And I remember liking that quite a bit. So there's always been like maybe a bit of a vessel for some of that, but it's definitely changed. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that one of the big things that's changed is like instead of like shows like what you mentioned, like, hey, Arnold, like you would get serious episodes of Hey Arnold, but it would be like a serious episode of Hey Arnold. It wouldn't be like a whole arc of the show. Whereas like we are getting more shows now that actually have like overarching like serious plots with like maybe serious subplots also. And that's kind of where Owl House is right now like it's still like a like jokey kids cartoon but it's also like you know it's trying to do something well there's a real sense of danger to everything going on and first it starts off with like oh the boiling isles is not like earth it's fairly dangerous there's monsters but then as like loose basically like is wanted by the police for fucking up the emperor's stuff (laughs) like like oh you going outside too much could literally pose a problem to your health you have to navigate the world differently now like the 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 consequences to everybody's actions are like really serious whereas something like ed ed netty like no one really gives a shit if they blow a house up because it'll be rebuilt next time yeah yeah definitely i suppose at some point i should watch amphibia you really should. I mean, it's all over now. So, like, you don't have to worry about, like, you know, catching up or whatever. Like, it's all there. And it's all, and honestly, like, I think it's all pretty good. Like, I wouldn't say that every episode is a knock out of the park, but, like, yeah. I, and I also, I think that it is a little slower to become a, like, plot focused show the way that the owl house is but you know like once it really like gets going like it is going and and i mean i think that all the even like i think all the episode of the week or whatever episodes in season one are good too like i think you know it's a little more steven universe in that way where it's a little slower to get on the track that it that it gets to but that doesn't mean that it's bad i know that you and i have different opinions about the steven universe townie episodes or whatever especially steven universe season one but uh i think that i think you should check out amphibia because i think it's very good and uh i mean you know episodes are short so you know what you got to lose 10 minutes are they really that long i thought i mean they're they're not like 
they're like 12 minutes. I, you know, I was, I was, so is this more like two 12 minute episodes per? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's usually a a block of episodes or like a block of an airing was uh, like two 11 minute episodes. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to get on that at some point. Uh, I've been meaning to try it. It's another one of those, like, I think I see that more from like maybe you and Alice than I do some of the other people, but I know people in my writers group that told me to watch Owl House have at least mentioned Amphibia in very positive light. And it's like, well, the none of y'all screwed uh, or turned me wrong. Why is yeah. talking so hard tonight? <laughs> well, did, you had you didn't have alcohol, so only a little. Yeah, it, I don't. I wouldn't say that Amphibia is as much like something that I would say is for you as Owl House. Like Owl House is more specifically something that I would say is within your wheelhouse. Like Amphibia is just another thing that is good, and I think that you would like it. But okay. like the Owl House has more things that I say like this is something that you would like. Whereas sure. Amphibia is just like a good show that I also think you would like. I'll add it to, I mean, it's on the list, right? I'll have to just actually yeah. fill some time out. And- like, I mean, it's also, it's something that because a lot of the season one episodes are so basic that like you could just like watch an episode a week, like when you have like, you know, 12 minutes of downtime. Like mm-hmm. it's something that you know, and you know once once it starts picking up more, you can actually like care where you fit it into your like schedule or whatever. But you know, as as it's just starting out, like you don't have to to try and be as into it. You know, sure, sure, yeah. I wish I had come into this episode of our Warrior Chats with like things to say. I probably should have done that instead of played Orcs Bastai, but what are what are some things that you particularly like about the Owl House? I like that Amity has purple hair. God damn it! <laughs> I was so excited for you to get to the episode where she dyes her hair purple. I need to redo my hair. It's it's very strawberry blonde right now. You do need to redo your hair. Uh, I'm thinking tomorrow when I get home from work. Nice. I like that Luce kind of reminds me of Spongebob sometimes where she's just like <laughs> really positive and very happy to be here. Yeah. She's a little more realistic than Spongebob. A little bit. The, 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 there's always such a bittersweet element to like her story because she wants to go home. She misses her family, but you can tell she kind of doesn't want to go home too. Yeah. And at some point we're going to have to make that decision, right? It's like the first season of Digimon, which yeah. I don't remember very well. but. That was, uh, God, honestly, when it comes to like old cartoons that like had that episodic thing, I think Digimon is probably the first big one that like left an impact. Cause I was, I watched Pokemon before that, but like Digimon, I think had a lot more like emotional beats uh-huh. and when they had to like go home because summer vacation was over and they saved the world. Like that was like legitimately depressing to me as a kid. Like, Oh, I mean the, the, the story has to end. They have to go back to being normal. Uh-huh. I, I didn't expect that. Right. And. I handled it. I'm a functional person, I think. So, you know, more of that, please, for kids. Well, yeah, not to like, not to spoil very much, but that like factors, some of that factors into like amphibia. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I won't like, you know, I, w- I won't get into like 
how or what or to what extent, but uh, you know, the the idea of like you're on your magical adventure and then at some point like, you know, there is the real world also waiting for you is uh is a pretty important factor in the end of season three. One of the like Amphibia actually sort of benefited, unfortunately, from the fact that it began earlier than the Owl House. I feel like if it had been uh, a little earlier in its production, then it would have gotten kind of a similar treatment as the Owl House because uh, the fact that it was further on meant that they were allowed to kind of finish out their third season in full. Whereas, like, if it had been just a little bit later, they probably would have gotten a cut episode order. But they were far enough into production on season three by the time the pandemic really started in 2020 that, like, it didn't make sense to cut the season where it was. So they just, like, were able to finish out it, their their third season. But the Owl House started after amphibia so uh it was not far enough in its third season production uh which is why it ended up getting cut to three 45 minute episodes instead of like a full third season sure anyway neither here nor there kagome decided to stay in her magical realm so i mean that's always an option (laughs) i always thought she was stupid for picking that option uh, say goodbye to modern medicine and plumbing, Kagome. Hey, but she also like doesn't have to pay taxes. Kagome oh, doesn't. I don't know about that. Kagome doesn't have, have to like some fucking like samurai lord that collects taxes from everybody. Kagome doesn't have to worry about who the prime minister is. Like Kagome doesn't need a Twitter account. Kagome doesn't have to think about Twitter at all. Think about that. I still think it's stupid. I, I was always a little frustrated when that turned out to be like how that ended. And in hindsight, it makes the most sense. It's obviously like it's a it's a romance story at heart. <laughs> and she's willing to give up things for, for love. But also, I'm very disappointed it, in you, Kakome. It's kind of a subversion because you normally expect the heroine to go back to her like expected time period and like live out the rest of her life. But she chose for herself to live in the world with the person that she loved instead. How did Escaflone end? Um, I've not seen Escaflone, but um, I have, but it's been a, a very long time. I think she goes back to normal world. I uh, have no idea, but yeah, like that's kind of the, the expected trajectory for a, a heroine like that is to, go back to the normal world with the lessons that you learned in the magical world and be stronger for it. But Kagome chose to chose to stay, you know, in a way that's kind of a girl boss move. I like the idea of her coming back to the real world. And then she goes to the doctor. The doctor's like, we haven't seen these STDs since the feudal era. And she's like, God damn it. Inuyasha. That's my Kagome voice. Anyway. Um, Anyways. Should we do, um, should we do a glad space? We could do a glad space. Do you have a glad space? Yeah, there's fucking four roses I'm drinking. It's pretty great. Four roses? Is that like a, is that a whiskey or something? 
Yeah, I got Four Roses Single Barrel, so it's their, like, special batch. Um, I've had it before, so I knew I was getting into something good. I wanted to get a different bottle, but that shit went up, like, 10 bucks, and I didn't want to spend $60 at the liquor store. Oh, that's a shame. So I only spent 50 <laughs> But it's good. It's it's very smooth. It's very, like, uh, lighter-tasting bourbon. It's not quite as bold. Um, it's overproof, but doesn't taste overproof, which is kind of fun. Nice. I, you know, I, I stole Glad Space as a bit for one of my podcasts, but we call it the Good Vibe Zone. And I have a little like theme song jingle that we usually play for it. Do you want to hear what it is? It's uh, my, my wife, Gwen, made it. Yeah, let's let's hear that. That's the Good Vibe Zone music. That was that was that was nice. Uh, my uh, my Glad Space is that. I have uh, blueberry plants in the backyard of the the new place that we moved into uh, a month ago, and I picked blueberries from my backyard, and I made a blueberry cobbler, and it was fucking delicious. That reminds me of something I read uh, online a while back, where it was like, have you ever hoisted a thing a laundry on your hip while you opened a door and you just instantly felt like a 20 year old peasant woman that was going to die from a toothache in four years. Okay. But that's so true. Well, like, and it's like, Oh, you, you picked blueberries and made blueberry a cobbler. You Victorian girl, you like, <laughs> you know, that, that <laughs> did you, did you vibe with the, with the past while you did it? I did. Uh, I had to, I had to cover myself in bug spray because uh, I'm a modern woman with uh, modern mosquito problems. But they I didn't have that back then. Uh, no, unfortunately not. Uh, but I did, uh, and I had to to do that so that I could stand outside without uh, becoming covered in welts because I have since I have the sensitive skin of a porcelain doll. <laughs> uh, but I, I picked I I picked so many blueberries. It was it was delightful, and they're all delicious. Uh, so that's my cottage core dream that I'm living right now. I bet I bet Kagome wishes she had fucking bug spray. Kagome wishes she had blueberries like I do. Imagine getting knocked up in the feudal era and being like, "Shit, I got to deliver like this dog boy's twins without." any modern medicine and a midwife who's like missing an eye. Oh my God. She has to deliver puppies without an epidural. I bet she, I bet she had some fucking regrets that day. Oh yeah. How do you, I'm glad I don't write fanfics because there's just so many options. <laughs> if, uh, if Kagome had to get transported to the modern day, uh, when she was going to give birth, would they take her to a hospital or a vet? Probably a hospital. The problem is that I think the vet is less likely to be like, shit, these kids have dog ears. We need to take them to the uh, Japanese equivalent of the CIA and dissect them. <laughs> so, you know, you got you got your goods and bads. <laughs> How do you end episodes of Opinions Are Cheap? Um... We 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 basically just like this. We just be like, "Hey, should we say goodbye?" Yeah, I mean, are you ready to say goodbye? Do you? Do you have, we can say goodbye. Do you have more quips? No, I'm out of quips. You have to get some more at the quip store. Yeah, I'll go to quick trip. Quick fuck. You have to go to quip trip. I tried to say it and I fumbled.
That's like okay. a football player. I I picked up your fumble for you. Thank you. That that works in the footballs, right? I, I know the rules. I totally know things about football. Go Patriots. <laughs>